What a welcome. Good evening. It is a pleasure to be here once again at the Lakeway Baptist Church. I'm, I'm honored to have the opportunity to share with you what the Lord has been doing in our lives and the opportunity that he's given us to go to the country of Brazil and, and uh, to, to reach the people that need to hear the gospel with the gospel of Christ and to see churches established that will continue that work on. Um, I am here with my, my sweet wife, Brenda, and Elijah, our oldest son, Sarah, Caleb. It's a, it's, it's a blessing to be here with my family. And I, I am thankful, as you said, for what the Lord has done to, to bring us to this place. I'm going to go ahead and ask that the video be shown. And after the video is over, I'll, I'll make a few comments and get, get into the, the Word of God. How then shall they call on him of whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I'm Chris Bell, and this is my family, Brenda, Elijah, Sarah, and Caleb. God has knit our family together to glorify him. Only God could have picked up the pieces after my late wife Brandy unexpectedly went home to be with the Lord after a car accident in 2012. The children and I were heartbroken, but we experienced a season of healing as I paused from working to reach Brazil. The prayers of God's people have had a tremendous impact. God in this time put Brenda in our lives. She has not stopped being a consistent blessing and a source of encouragement. June 27, 2015, we were united in marriage. A shared commitment to serve our Lord and a love for the Brazilian people bring us to where we are today. I'm a missionary sent by Edmond Road Baptist Church. Edmond Road Baptist Church is located in Edmond, Oklahoma, and Brother Chuck Munson is our pastor. The Lord has used Edmond Road Baptist Church to train and prepare me for the ministry. The church is excited to play a vital role in reaching souls in Brazil. Brazil is the fifth largest country in the world, consisting of 8.5 million square kilometers divided into 26 states with one federal district. Its emerging economy has slowed in recent years due to global market conditions and paralyzing political corruption. Brazil's currency is called the real, and it's worth about one-third of the U.S. dollar. The growing number of people professing atheism, as well as pressure to compromise biblical truth for the sake of tolerance, are obstacles in reaching Brazilians with the gospel. But freedom of religion, a favorable view of the Bible, and urbanization present a great opportunity to reach the over 200 million souls in Brazil with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is leading me to preach the gospel, make disciples, and established unaffiliated Baptist churches in the city of Belém. Belém is the capital of the northern state of Pará. The city was founded by the Portuguese in 1616 and has been important to trade throughout Brazil's history because of its position on the coast where the Amazon River system flows into the Atlantic Ocean. Today, the city of Belém is home to over 2 million people. Brenda and I were able to make a survey trip to Belém in July of 2016. 
The Lord used this trip to encourage us in the work. While we were there, we spent many hours walking and riding on public buses around the city. We saw a city of contrasts. We saw old and new. Many buildings remain from the colonial period of Brazil's history. Often these are the sites that bring tourists to the city. These are contrasted by skyscrapers and modern buildings that were more recently erected. Many of these are high-rise apartments. Another contrast was poverty and prosperity. While there are certainly divisions of wealth between different parts of the city, what was striking was how intermingled poverty and prosperity were displayed throughout. From one side of the boulevard, we saw an upscale supermarket, its windows reflecting skyscrapers. When we turned around, we saw a run-down tire shop and housing that was in a state of disrepair. Shacks were near closed-off gated communities that are protected by private security. In a city with high-end shopping malls, there were houses without access to proper sanitation. We saw a city of religions. Almost everywhere you looked, there was evidence of religion. Stickers on cars, names of small convenience stores, for example, the Ark of the Covenant store, names of gas stations, this one is the God Help You station, or even old boats. Here you see the victory in Jesus had run aground. It was hard not to feel like Paul in Athens when he said, I perceive that in all things you're too superstitious. Many people are devoted to the patron saint of the city, Our Lady of Nazareth. In fact, one of the largest religious processions in Brazil takes place each year here. The population of the city nearly doubles as a statue of Mary is pulled in a cart across town by devotees hoping to have their prayers heard by the Queen of Heaven. Beyond Catholicism, Belém is inundated with different variations of Pentecostalism. Followers endeavor to maintain their salvation by good works and a morally acceptable life. Their assurance of divine favor is a highly emotional, extra-biblical experience. Many are following false prosperity gospel. We saw a city in need of the gospel. God's glory is the highest priority in missions, therefore we go because of a desire to obey God. God's concern in missions is people, souls for whom Christ died. A genuine desire that all men should be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. The scriptures say of God that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The people we saw in Belém are people that God is concerned for, young and old, rich and poor. They are the ones we have a responsibility to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. As ambassadors for Christ, beseeching them in Christ's stead to be reconciled to God. The dense population and a philosophy of indigenous church planning reveal great potential for a large gospel impact to be made in the city and beyond. Our strategy begins with prayer and is gleaned from the book of Acts. We will follow a pattern of evangelism discipleship with an emphasis on local leadership and church planning. Please consider prayerfully and financially partnering with us as we work with the Lord to fulfill the Great Commission through Edmund Road Baptist Church in Northern Brazil.
All right, so as y'all can see, we're, we have a great opportunity set before us, and, and let me just tell you that uh, I'm eager and excited to, to get to Brazil. Um, the last time we were here was in 2000, and probably about 2011, maybe it was 2012, the beginning of the year. I can't, can't exactly remember, but um, I was ready to get to Brazil then, and um, one of the things that, that I've learned and that I, I hope that you might be able to, to appreciate also is that God does things in his time. And God is good to us all the time, um, even when we don't know what's going on and, and we don't understand why we're faced with the challenges that we are sometimes in our lives. I want to just let you know that uh, from what I've gone through and, and uh, what, what we've experienced as a family, I can just tell you that God's grace is sufficient to, to see us through those trials and to help us. Um, I don't think that, I, I don't think that um, I'm alone in, in going through hard times, and there's probably people in the congregation now that has had to, to go through um, trials di- more difficult than mine. And so I, I, you could agree with me that God is able and, and faithful to us. Uh, we're, we are excited, as I said, to, to get to Brazil. Uh, you, you saw we made a, a trip back in um, July, and you know, it, was, it was important for me and for, for our family, I believe, to, to give us a, a little bit of a break after Brenda and I got married and, and uh, give us our, a time to get to be used to being a family before we started back on trying to get to Brazil. Um, but I'll tell you that I was eager then. Um, it's, always, it's always been my desire to, to get to Brazil and to begin the work that, that God has called us to. So we're, we've been on deputation for about um, 10 months now. We started back in August after we came back from our survey trip, and, and the Lord has helped us. A lot of the churches that were supporting us before um, picked us back up for, for uh, support, and we're probably about 84% of the way to the goal that we've set to raise. And we're praying, and I'm asking, I'm telling you this because I want you all to pray with us, that we could uh, get to Brazil by the end of the year and by September, if God would, would have it. That would be the desire of my heart, is that we could start, um, we could start the work and, and uh, get settled in in a new place in September of this year. So I'd ask you all to, to join with us concerning that. Um, if there's one thing, though, that, you, that I could have you to pray for, because you all know that missionaries need prayer, right? You all know what these things are? Yeah, these are, these are our prayer cards. Uh, we, we have them formatted to a handy bookmark shape. You can just easily slide them in your Bible. Or if you like to read and you don't just read Kindle books or, or digital books, you can get a couple of them and, and put them in your books that you're reading. Don't, don't feel shy about getting a few if you'll use them because I got enough and, and we need your prayers. Uh, there's nothing, there's nothing um, more helpful you could do for us and more impactful that you could do for us than to pray. Uh, the work of God is a, a work that is beyond and, and above my ability. And it's really above any of our abilities to do what God has called us to do uh, in, in reaching the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So, if there's one thing that I would ask you to pray with us, is that as we're making our preparations here, we're working to to uh, get the resources that we're going to need to live there, and we're making our preparations that God would be at work in Belain. And we, we know we know that God is at work in the world. Amen? I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ, he... He was questioned by the the Pharisees about why he how why he would dare to work on the Sabbath day and and heal uh, heal someone who was afflicted. And his answer was very revealing because he said, "My Father works hitherto, and I work." And he and he's saying that God is at work in the world, and we we understand that from the Scripture that uh, that. Uh, the Son is drawing all men to Himself, and that the Holy Spirit's at work in people's lives, preparing them to receive the gospel. And so we're just praying in agreement with what God said He's already doing. Pray with us that God, as we're making our preparations, that God would prepare the hearts of the people in Belain that He's called us to minister to, and that we're going to no doubt cross paths with, that He would prepare their hearts to be receptive to the message of the gospel. That would be a tremendous blessing to me if you all would purpose to do that. Uh, every church that we've been in up until this point, we have asked to join with us in, in this um, prayer. And so I'm excited to get there and to see what God has done and to report back to you how he has answered our prayers. Um, I, I believe that if it wasn't for the, the prayers of God's people, that perhaps I wouldn't be standing here this evening. You know, I'm not sure how how it, how it would have gone if I didn't have so many people praying for me. And, and you all are again. You were a church that we visited before, and 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 I I don't doubt that you all have prayed for our family um, over the last several years. And I want to thank you for that. And I really I really can't express uh, how grateful I am for for that. But that it's taught me that the the power of God's People to pray is tremendous and it's effective. So be be encouraged in that regard and and partner with us in prayer. We're looking forward to getting to Belain. We're um, eager to to begin the task. We, as the video said, we believe that it starts with prayer and we're we're engaged in that now. Uh, but our intention is to go and not to not to hang a sign up over the door of of a building that we rent and say. The, the so-and-so Baptist church is open now, but rather to preach the gospel and to uh, work alongside the people whom the Lord will save and who are excited and willing to be a church and to work with them to help organize a church that will have leadership um, that is brought up from, from that culture and able to reach out to their own people, able to um, know how to to relate to, to the people better than I, certainly than I could right now. I've, over a period of several years, maybe I'll be more equipped for that. But right now, it would be pretty ignorant for me to, to say that I'm, I'm qualified to, to uh, tell Brazilians how or where they should meet for church or how their services need to be. I can teach them what the Word of God says. I can tell them the truth. But a lot of the a lot of the things that need to be done are are uh, dependent on on the culture. You know, we we meet on a Sunday evening at six p.m. You all are good six p.m. Baptists. I appreciate that. You know, you know that some of the brethren they meet like right after they eat lunch, 
and it's really hard to stay awake. But that's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, there's, no, there's no Bible precedent. But that, things like that need to be decided by people who know the culture better. And um, we believe that if we would, we would approach the work by starting with evangelism and working with people, discipling them, and um, working together with them to start churches, that what we'll leave behind will be strong churches that are able to carry on the work uh, without the missionary holding him up. And that's what we, we hope to accomplish by the grace of God. So you all pray with us about that. You know that that means that God's going to have to provide us men to train and to, to um, teach men that God would call to be leaders in, in churches. And I just don't think that that's going to happen without God intervening, without us praying. I don't expect it to be possible. I, where am I going to find these people? I think God's going to have to do it. So we appreciate your, your prayers, and we appreciate um, you being, being mindful of, of these things. It's truly a pleasure to serve the Lord. I, I like what you said, Pastor Stone, that you know, it's, not, it's not just a duty to reach people with the gospel. It's a, a privilege. It's a, a pleasure to be called by the Lord, to, to be part of the family of God, and have the opportunity to tell others of the, of the grace of God. So, appreciate that. If, if you all would, turn with me in your Bibles this evening to the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 6. Jeremiah, chapter 6. We're, we're primarily going to be looking at the the 16th verse of this chapter, and, and as everyone gets there, I'm going to ask that you look on and, and we'll read it. Jeremiah chapter 16, chapter number 16, I'm sorry. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse number 16. Is that where you all are? Okay. <laughs> Send you to the wrong place. Jeremiah 6, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to spend some time together this evening, looking into your word. I'm thankful for the, the blessing it is to know that your word is powerful and that it's able to affect change in each one of our lives. I'm praying, Lord, that you would free us from distractions, help us not to walk away without hearing what you have to say to us, Lord. May you receive honor and glory, and I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So this 16th verse is a, a verse in which the, the Lord, speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the nation of Judah is giving them some advice. He's giving them an admonition. Um, You see, they were in some trouble. The prophet Jeremiah was sent to the people to warn them of the coming uh, captivity that they had had, um, to look forward to because they had incurred the the judgment of God for forsaking the Lord, the one true God. 
the, the nation of Judah, the, the people of Israel, they were to be the house of witness of God on the earth. They were to represent God before all the nations through the service of the temple and the tabernacle and through their way of life and, and even their civil laws were to reflect something about God. But as time elapsed, as you all know, the, the Old Testament history, they turned away from God. In fact, really, the, the history is, is that they agreed to be God's people and then they turned away from God. And then they went back and then they turned away. Sounds familiar, I think, for most of us. Uh, but here they had, they had come to the point that God had said, I am going to send the, the armies of Babylon to Jerusalem, and I'm going to tear the city to the ground, and I'm going to carry you away captive, unless you do something. He's given them one last chance here. And I think that if we would look in, in this chapter and see some of the things that, that he names as reasons that his, his anger was raised, we might be able to ask ourselves if maybe this advice that he gives them would be applicable to us as well. Uh, let's see, for example, in verse number, verse number um, 11, if you read there with me, it says, Therefore, I am full of fury. I'm full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary with, with holding in. I'll pour it out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men together. For even the husband with, and with the wife shall be taken, the aged with him that is full of days. And it says that their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together, for I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord God. He says in, um, in verse number 10, why all that stuff was going to happen. Why, why he was going to take the people away. Why they were gonna, going to be um, removed from their land and why, why everyone was going to, to suffer this. It says in verse number 10, To whom shall I speak and give warning, that they may hear? Behold, the ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach, and they have no delight in it. So why, why was that going to happen? It was because they wouldn't listen to the word of God. They didn't want to hear what God's word had to say. Um, they had it available to them. They had, they had God speaking to them through the prophet, but they didn't want to pay attention to it. Uh, another, another thing that he mentions is in verse 13. It says, For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. From the prophet, even unto the priest, everyone dealeth false, falsely. So there's two reasons right there. One, the people were covetous. They wanted what they didn't have, and they were willing to go to, to links that would, would uh, cause them to transgress God's law in order to get what they wanted, covetousness. They weren't satisfied with all that God had provided for them. They weren't content with the things that they had, but they had to have more and more and more. And God says, this is a problem. Um, the other thing in that, in verse number 13, it says that, and from the prophet even into the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. They, were, they wouldn't listen to the word of God. They were covetous. And they were also dishonest. 
They, they, they were dealing falsely, and it speaks particularly of their leaders. They were looking for, for people to be pleased with what they had to say. Any of you all have read the prophet uh, Jeremiah, you know that there was always prophets running around Jerusalem that had, had a, a word from the Lord that was just what the king wanted to hear. The king of Babylon won't come. He won't be ca- carried away captive. And then after they were carried away captive, the message is, oh, you'll be, you'll be brought back any time now, real soon. They were dishonest. And then I think that it really sums it up in verse, verse number 14 and 15. It says, They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, where there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. So, in verse number 15, you see that they had come to a place in their, in their morality where they weren't even ashamed of their sin. They weren't ashamed. It says that, that uh, they weren't ashamed, they couldn't blush. It wasn't embarrassing to them anymore that they had left the ways of the Lord, that they had dealt falsely with one another, that they wouldn't listen to the word of God. I think that it, when we come to passages like this, it's always good for us to take a, a minute because it's, it's easy for us to say, what a bunch of sinners. Those people are messed up. But if we, if we pass over that and we don't take a look in the mirror, we're doing ourselves a disservice. We need to say, oh, is, am I any of that? Does that describe me at all? You know, we're, we're living in a time, I don't, I think that this was a, you know, this pertained to Israel. I don't want to say that, um, that we're, we're like Israel. We're, we're, our country's a lot different than the nation of Israel in many respects. Uh, we're not the covenant nation of God or any of that stuff. But, you know, we live in a time of prosperity. And we live in a time where there's a, a lot of exposure to the truth. There's many people in our culture, in our cities, in our, in our places of work, in, in our acquaintances that know what the Word of God says but don't care. And really, we need to be honest with ourselves and say maybe sometimes we don't take heed to the Word of God like we ought to. And I think that it's important for us to, to take a, a minute and consider that. And if you take inventory of yourself and say, no, I'm, I'm happy with, with uh, myself in relation to to these condemnations, then maybe you need to listen up especially. Because you might be deceiving your own self. And so I think that I think that Jeremiah sixteen six, our our text, we're getting back there now, really pertains to to everyone here, in one regard or another. I think that it's important for us to see the admonition given and to consider taking the advice offered. The Lord is so gracious to us that he, that he condescends and he, he even says things like, uh, come, let us reason together. Right? Who, who, is, who am I that God would, would want to reason with me? What have I done to, to be worthy of God 
going out of his, his way, as it were, to even think upon me. You know, who are we? But the, the psalmist said, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? We're just, we're just dust and ashes. We're, we're rebels against God. Except for the, the, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no hope for any of us. And so he, he gives this admonition, and I think we need to listen. In, ver, in verse 16, once again, the advice he offers, he says, Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways. Stand ye in the ways. I think that that's important for us to get. You know, throughout the Bible, the Word of God uh, describes our course of life as our way. It's not just a path that you're walking on, but it's the way you're going to live your life, the direction you're headed, the course you're taking. And so the first bit of advice is is to stop. Stand ye in the ways. Pause. Take a break. We, We get so busy. We get bombarded by all of the possibilities of of entertainment and all of the business at hand, all the opportunities that we have, there's. if you wanted to, you would never have to allow your mind just to be still and not think about anything. You're, we're surrounded by entertainment on all sides. Oh, most of us have, have uh, on our person, you know, our, our handy phones. And in this phone, I can spend hours and hours and hours and not have to think about what's going on inside. With the, with the blessing, there's a, a huge um, possibility of, of uh, bringing problems into us. But the admonition is to stand ye in the way. Take a breath. Stop what you're doing. The, the nation of Israel, the, the people of Judah, they're running headlong into captivity. They were being warned. In other places, the Lord says, I sent to them prophets rising up early, but they wouldn't hear. I tried to warn them, but they wouldn't stop going the way that they are going. They just kept going. But we need to stop. We need to pause. You know, the Bible tells us that there is a way that seemeth right unto the man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We, we have a way that we would naturally take, but it's not the right way. It's not a good way. It's a way that leads to death. Uh, we're not even we're not able to to properly order our way according to God's direction. You got, God made us for a purpose to bring Him glory, but because of sin, our lives have been have been marred, and our direction, our internal compass, is messed up. If you want to follow your heart, it's going to lead to a bad place. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? For, for a man to seek his own way, for us to try to figure out what to do on our own is, is utter folly. It's like a, it's like a, a navigator in, in the ocean trying to, to steer by starlight on a cloudy and stormy night. It's not going to happen. You're just going to get lost. Oh, it's, it's like me trying to, to take a trip to, in an unfamiliar city without my GPS. It's not going to go good. I'm just going to drive around the highways and get lost. I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit more familiar with the, the greater Houston area. So it's not, but I, I, can, I can recall the first time I came down this way from, from Oklahoma City. 
And it was easy to get turned around. I was glad that I had a GPS to help me because I wasn't going to find where I was going. We can relate to that. But it's, it's even more serious when it comes to the directing the way, the course of our life. Because we're, we're wired to, to do it selfishly. Our way is a way of selfishness and, and it's a way of not even considering God. It's a way of using others. It's a way of, of trying to just find satisfaction where there is no satisfaction. So we need to wait. We need to pause. We need to stand in the way and slow down. The second thing that we need to do, I see in verse number 16, it says, in that, that next little phrase that says, and see. Stand ye in the way and see. Just a couple of words there. But I think that it's important to note that that, that instruction is listed. See, it means that we need to ponder our ways. We need to stop what we're doing, and we need to take an inventory of our life. We need to look what we're, what we're about. If we just go, go by autopilot, if we just head, head any old direction and take any opportunity that, that comes in front of us, we'll be on a way that we don't understand where we're headed very easily. But we need to take a minute and we need to ponder. We need to examine our lives in the light of God's word. Don't, don't, let's not examine our lives on the basis of, am I, do I have happiness in my heart? Is this going to bring me joy if I, if I take this way? Friends, no, no choice that you're going to make, no, um, no direction in your career or personal life, that, none of that stuff is going to bring you ultimate joy or happiness. That's only in a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In whatever way you're going, whichever way God will direct, there's no joy outside of that fellowship with Him. We can try to do things our own way, even if we think that we're doing them for God and find ourselves dissatisfied, dried out, and and discouraged. We have to make sure that we maintain that, that fellowship with God day in and day out. Uh, we need to take a minute and we need to stop and we need to take the Word of God. That means take time to read the Word of God, preferably in a regular basis. Take time to, to consider what you know about the Word of God, Christian, what God's expected of you. you know, it, the Christian life isn't all that complicated, right? We, we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because we're unrighteous and unable to earn God's favor. We trust in what he's done by dying for our sins and rising again from the dead. And through, through faith in him, we receive eternal life. We are brought into a relationship with God and have experienced in some measure the love of God. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And so we've experienced that measure of his love. And, and hopefully, if, if we've truly believed in God then it should engender a love for God in us. And the Bible says, the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So we love God and and so we want to do what he says. How are we going to find out about that? Better read his word. Uh, We better be added to to his church. Um, we We ought to be yielded to his Holy Spirit. 
We can find out what's good and pleasing in the sight of the Lord and endeavor to do it because we love Him. But if we, if we aren't careful, we're going to get caught up with other things. We're going to be distracted and dissuaded from the purpose that God has given us. And we just need to stop and examine our way in the light of God's Word. Then it says that we ought to ask for the old paths. Wherein is the good way? After we've taken, a, taken some time to reflect, to examine ourselves, to consider our way, we need to pray. We need to petition. We need to ask God for help. It says to ask for the old paths. Wherein is the good way? You know, I, I know that, the, that uh, this scripture has been, been preached on in, in several different ways. But I, I would say that primarily and, and clearly, God is saying that we need to return to his original purpose for our lives. The old paths, the good way. You know, God, God's not asking us to, to go back to, to, to traditions of our forefathers, even if they're good. That's not, that might be a good thing to do, but that's not what's being said here. He's not asking us to to um, keep doing things the, the the same way they've always been done necessarily, even though that 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 might be a good thing too. But what he's saying is, we need to ask for the the paths that he's established, the way that God has ordained. Again, why why has he left us here? What is the what is the purpose? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But what does it say there in Ephesians 2.10? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he has before ordained that you should walk in them. God has given us a task to do. He's saved us, not by our works, not because we've earned it, but by grace, through faith, for work for a purpose for a task he he hasn't saved any one of us here to to sit around and do nothing until he comes back again in fact if we would if we would follow that course of action if we would go that way in our christian lives we're going to stand before the judgment seat of christ one day and we're and we're going to be sorry i believe that there'll be regret in in that day at the judgment seat of christ for works that that he had saved us for but we chose to to ignore. I believe in that day when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and, and every man's work is tried according to, to what it is and some pass from that judgment and are saved with nothing to show for their lives, I, I think that there'll be sorrow there. But we're saved for a purpose. And our purpose is to be a witness. You know, we're saved by the grace of God and he's ordained that as his children and as his people who have been incorporated to New Testament church, we're to be witnesses. Right? You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth, he said in Acts chapter 1. He gave the commission to the church there in Jerusalem. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. 
And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. What, what is the old path? Well, I believe for, for a child of God, for a Christian, the old path is going, going back to the original task of reaching the world with the gospel of Christ. It, it means becoming serious once again, having a passion to tell the world about the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and doing it on purpose. The Great Commission can't be accomplished by accident. A, a, a church isn't going to fall into to reaching the world with the gospel. We, we, churches might fall into all sorts of things by accident. But the Great Commission is going to be done on purpose. And so it, it, it's required that we ask God to, to help us. Petition, it means that we, we need to confess our sin and, and request God's help. We need to go back to the old ways, to God's ways. And it says that we need to walk therein. You see that in verse 16 still? It said, but walk therein. That means that not only should we, we, look, should we look around, should we ponder, not only should we petition, but we also need to practice. We need to ask for God's help. We need to go ask him to help us get back on that track, but we, then we need to do it. Um, you know, it's, it's true that repentance is a, a change of mind. A change of mind is going to lead to a change of behavior. You know, it's, not, it's not just being sorry that things aren't the way they ought to be. It's being sorry and, and wanting to have something else. Going a different way. You know, we, we, can, we can pray for the lost, and we need to pray for the lost. That's another message. But we need to pray for the lost and also go to the lost. You know, pe- people aren't being saved because we're praying for them. Prayer is important, but people have to hear the gospel. Uh, people aren't getting saved because someone's praying and then they just have a vision. No, that's not how it works. God, God says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so we need to, we need to pray, but then we need to go. You see at the end of this verse, there's a, a promise. It says, and ye shall find rest for your souls. If we would take the advice here, if we would consider our ways, if we would stop with the with the direction that we're going and take a break and, and take time to consider and to, to seek God and to turn back to, to His way, to the old paths. There's a promise of rest for our souls. It says um, that we, we would once again enjoy that, that sweet fellowship that, that we ought to have with God. And, and that's for every Christian. You know, when I think about rest for the soul... I'm, I'm reminded of, of the scripture, and Jesus says, Come unto me, all you that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, he, he's offered, the offer of the Lord Jesus Christ is for rest, to, to cease from our, our strivings and our labor, where we can never be able to, to please God by our own works, but to trust in him to turn from our, 
our self-righteousness and to turn to the righteousness of Christ. Walking in, in God's way entails trusting the Lord in salvation first and foremost. You know, I'm, I'm preaching to the Sunday night group here at church, and I, and I realize that most of you all have probably made, uh, there's probably been a time that you've trusted in the Lord to save you, but maybe there's some that never have. And I'm not, even if I knew all y'all, I still couldn't really know your hearts. But I don't even know you all on a, on a basis where I could make, make any kind of assumption. So I think that I, I wouldn't want to, to leave off this evening without suggesting to you that, that there is a rest available for you. You know, you, you feel miserable and, and unsatisfied even though that you're running around trying to do good and, and working hard. You know, there's a rest from that. It's trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, turning from your own attempts to please God to turning to, to Christ who has pleased his Father with his holy, righteous life and offers to, to give, it, give that righteousness to you by faith. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He hath made him to be sin for us. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's how you can have rest for your soul. But, you know, even, even us uh, who have trusted the Lord, if we get out of the way, maybe you all have been there before. You kind of get out of the way. You're, you've taken your focus off your relationship with the Lord, and you're not walking in that path. You, you feel kind of restless. You might be going the way of the world, Trying to, trying to satisfy what only God can satisfy, and you know good and well. And you might be there, you, know, you might feel wore out and tired because you're not walking in the right way. And there's rest for you. It's turning back into that way. And there's a, a solution if you've been living contrary to the, the will of God, if you've been following the ways of sin, if, if those, those descriptions that we read at the beginning of, of Jeremiah 6 are, are befitting of you and your way of life right now. You know, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's peace once again, and there's rest. So I want to encourage you this evening believer or, or unbeliever to turn to Christ and find rest for your souls. To take the time to examine your way, to consider where you stand. If you've never trusted Christ, you need to, you need to take care of that tonight. There's no reason why you, you should be breathing God's air, enjoying God's life, and hearing the message of reconciliation through God's Son, and not turn to Christ tonight. A Christian, there's no reason for us to, to keep ourselves so busy, to not take a moment and pause, and to examine ourselves and say, God, help me to go back into the way. Help me to be concerned with my relationship with you, and, and to quit trying to find satisfaction outside. Now's the time for that.
now's a perfect opportunity. Well, I'm going to have a word of prayer, and I'm going to I'm going to ask Pastor Stone to to come back and and close the services as he sees the fit. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, once again for allowing us this time together. Thank you, Father, for your word, and I pray that you would use it in our lives to bring glory to yourself. And I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with us, how he might have spoken to your heart and in regards to what it might be as Brother Chris was suggesting that there are those here that maybe just one here whether you're 8 or whether you're 80 we don't want to see you leave here without knowing that perfect peace that rest that can only come from trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior why, why would you want to do otherwise you can settle that tonight and for those of us that have found that let us remember that when he's talking about a rest there he's not talking about cessation of our service to the Lord uh, as I said this morning we're going to spend all of eternity serving our Father Amen and if that's what we're going to do in heaven uh, I think we ought to get started now And if you haven't, tonight might be a good time. Whatever God would have you to do, would you come while we sing?